Welcome to Living Well. I'm your host, Greg Horn, and I'm here to help you live a better life by sharing leading research, insights, and big ideas in the fields of science and everyday practice that matter most to Living Well. We respect your time and strive to cultivate your interest in all facets of Living Well, so each segment will be swift, short, worthwhile, informative, free, and truthful. Today's topic, part of our Living Well series, is part two of Hosting Wells how to keep your gut microbiome healthy and working for you. I find the discoveries in the area of human microbiome to be absolutely fascinating. We're at a unique time in history when new discoveries in this field are coming out with great regularity. These microbes, most of which co-evolved with their human host, may contain a hundred times more genetic material than we do ourselves. This topic is rapidly expanding how we think of our own genetics and evolution. I can't wait to see what science discovers next in this area. Although the science of the human microbiome is comparatively young, there are some clear lessons here about how we should help preserve these important partners in our health. First, don't kill your partners. Clearly, the very first thing we can do to protect our microbiome is not to indiscriminately kill it. Unfortunately, modern life is awash in chemical compounds that are made to do exactly that. With the best of intentions, we have flooded our water with chlorine, a broad-spectrum antimicrobial, added antimicrobial compounds to products that don't really need them, such as dish soap and mouthwash, and included chemical preservatives in food that kill all kinds of microbial life and persist for exceedingly long periods within our body. Second, cut the chlorine. Chlorine is a broad-spectrum antimicrobial agent that's used to purify water. Every public drinking water system in the U.S. is mandated to use chlorine. There are, of course, some distinct benefits to this, namely that it kills bad bacteria so we don't get outbreaks of cholera or E. coli that are overcoming large populations. However, once we drink the chlorine or bathe in it, it can work to kill the bacteria in and on our bodies. We don't yet know how significant the impact is on our microbiome. Most likely, some bacteria are more sensitive than others. There's a chance that important strains of our flora are disproportionately knocked out by chlorine from our drinking water. Filtering the water you drink and bathe in can remove chlorine and help preserve your beneficial microbes. Filtering chlorine from water coming into your house is the best solution, but it can also have a high upfront cost. Placing chlorine filters on showers, refrigerators, and faucets also works just as well, although you do need to replace these periodically. Filter pitchers such as those made by Brita are another good option for getting the chlorine out of your drinking water. Third, ditch the antibacterial soap. Antibacterial soaps have taken the modern world by storm to the point where in many places it's hard to find soaps that don't contain these chemicals. Remarkably, these soaps have been found to be no more effective than regular soap in killing pathogenic bacteria. In fact, washing with plain soap is also effective against viruses, which antibacterial soaps are not. So antibacterial soaps don't do anything to prevent the common cold or influenza above soap and water. And the FDA is even re-examining the supposed benefits of antibacterial soaps right now. The primary chemical in these soaps is usually triclosan, a chlorinated aromatic chemical which kills most bacteria and fungi. Triclosan can be converted into dioxins in water, particularly chlorinated water, 
and it tends to persist and accumulate in the body. Triclosan has also been shown to be an endocrine disruptor. It almost certainly kills beneficial bacteria on our skin, leaving us open to pathogens. And because it does not seem to be any more effective than plain soap or water, and maybe dangerous, I avoid antibacterial soaps whenever I can. Triclosan is also used in mouthwashes and some toothpaste, which I find to be even worse than soaps. You swish triclosan around in your mouth, swallowing a little, and wiping out a chunk of the rainforest in your gut. It's not well understood how long triclosan persists in the body, but it seems to last quite a while and is spread far and wide. Triclosan has been found in human breast milk, where it has no business being. It's also been shown to be an endocrine disruptor in animals, so numerous reasons exist to avoid it beyond the havoc it plays in our microbiome. Fourth, choose living foods. Since our microbiomes are clearly of importance to our health, it's natural to want to help it function. Adding more beneficial microbes is a great place to start. It's like constantly planting new seeds in our rainforest. What foods can you eat to help keep your gut flora healthy? These living foods provide live probiotics with every bite. And yogurt is a great place to start. It's commonly available and often fortified with a number of beneficial strains like lactobacillus and thermophilus. However, many cow's milk yogurts are not as beneficial as they should be. Many yogurts in the market are so loaded with sugars that they're essentially junk food. To get the greatest benefit from yogurt, look for organic plain yogurt with live and active cultures. Goat milk yogurt is my favorite. The fat molecule in goat milk is smaller and easier to digest than cow's milk. And goat milk, the most widely consumed dairy milk on the planet, does not contain the pro-inflammatory A1 casein protein that's found in most cow's milk. I find it digests better, I feel better and perform better after a delicious bowl of goat milk yogurt with chia seeds and blueberries every morning. Kefir is a similar product to yogurt. It's made by adding kefir grains, a culture of symbiotic lactic bacteria and yeast, to goat, sheep, or cow's milk. Kefir is more acidic than most yogurt and has a slightly different probiotic makeup. Many soft cheeses like goat cheese also have live cultures. Hard-aged cheeses typically have fewer surviving probiotics than softer cheeses. And sauerkraut is made of thinly sliced cabbage and a lot of salt. It goes through a fermentation process with lactic bacteria. Kimchi is a similar dish, usually made from cabbage, although many kinds of kimchi exist. This is combined with garlic, chili powder, and often other vegetables. Many pickled vegetables made with brine undergo a similar fermentation process. When these foods are not sterilized or cooked, the lactic bacteria are probiotics, and they're shown to be including a wide variety of species. Fifth, feed your microbes. While getting a variety of probiotics is important, feeding the microbes you already have may be even more crucial. Remember, most of our gut bacteria cannot be cultured outside the body. So the probiotics we get represent only a small but important cross-section out of the beneficial bacteria. While we can't easily replenish those other bacteria by eating live cultures, we can eat foods that encourage the ones that are already there to flourish. These foods that help feed our beneficial gut flora are called prebiotics because they consist mostly of complex carbohydrates and fibers that we cannot digest on our own. 
Some prebiotic foods include onions and garlic, asparagus, whole grains, and bananas. The pectin in fruits and jams are also prebiotics. A few few food additives, especially fibers like inulin, which comes from Jerusalem artichokes, psyllium seed husk, which is a bulk fiber, and acacia gum are important prebiotics. As researchers discover more about our gut flora, they're likely to discover more foods that act as prebiotics as well. Prebiotics are important food and activators for your gut bacteria. Some strains of these bacteria likely lie dormant or as spores until the specific foodstuffs they need arrive in our intestine. By consuming complex carbohydrates and fibers that feed the gut flora, you activate them and encourage them to grow. Some fermented foods are not probiotic but are still prebiotic. Red wine does not transfer any beneficial gut bacteria that we know of, but its polyphenols from grapes act as a prebiotic food for the bifidus bacteria. Eating whole, live, fiber-rich diets is a great idea for your health and for the health of your microscopic partners in your gut. As always, send your questions and comments to us at info at living-well.com and we'll answer them on a future show. You can also join us on Facebook at Greg Horn Living and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. 